Merry Christmas. <laughs> Too early for that. All right. Let's go to the Lord in word of prayer. Hunter, you want to lead us? Amen. All right. You can tell me where we're going. Matthew chapter 10. Thank you, Marsha Busby. Matthew chapter 10. What's that? What'd you say? Yeah, I know. Matthew chapter 10. And then we're going to turn to John chapter 1. Matthew chapter 10. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now, the names of the 12 apostles of the... 12 apostles are these. How many people think you can close your Bible and name them without? Did you say you you, you can? Maybe? Okay. Then I'm not going to pick on you. You think you can? Okay, let's let you try that. <laughs> the first, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the publican, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Lebius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Now, John chapter 1. Get back to talking about Andrew. And might finish him up. John chapter 1, verse 40. One of the two which heard John speak, that being John the Baptist, and followed him that being Jesus, was Andrew, Simon's Peter, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. All right. So let's see what we remember here. All right, Andrew, the brother of Peter, the son of Jonah, okay, they grew up in the region of the city of Bethsaida, the region of Galilee, right, later moved to what city? Capernaum, where they had what kind of business? Fishing, with who? James and John, the sons of Zebedee, good, good, very good, you kept your head down the whole time. I'm going to pick on you all class, just the first half, okay? So we're talking about Andrew. Now, we've talked about Peter, and we're talking about Andrew, the, the anti-Peter. <laughs> I think that's, you could probably say that about him. Last time, I wanted to do a quick review of the Sunday before, and we ended up reviewing the whole class, which is fine. We talked about the feeding of the 5,000 and all those people that needed to be fed. And Jesus said to his disciples, you feed them, which probably shook them. And we find that Andrew brought a lad and with five loaves and two fishes, he fed the multitude. We also looked, if you remember, when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem at some Greeks that wanted to see Jesus. 
And they went to Philip. Philip took them to Andrew, and they took them to Jesus. And we talked about why that might be, so there's no real reason to rehash that. We never will get done. But thinking about Peter and his brother Andrew, think about how different they were. Now, again, what, what's the purpose of studying these apostles? To humanize them. To, that's a good, that's very good. To humanize them. What does that do? Make them like us. Yes. If you see these people as way up here that, at a place you can't attain, I can't identify with that. You know, we talked about Peter. I don't identify with him walking on the water. I, de- I identify with the sinking part. That's just true. Maybe you identify with walking on the water. Good for you. I don't. We have to see them as they were. They were just people. Now, they had a special purpose. I'm not taking that away from them. God called them on purpose, those particular people. But they were just human people. And if God can use them, God can use us. So you think about Peter and Andrew. Think about the difference in them. I mean, we talked about walking on the water. They're in a ship. <laughs> the wind's boisterous and all this. And, and here comes Jesus. And Peter gets out and walks on the water. What do you think Andrew was thinking? Glad it's him and not me. <laughs> Jim said, glad it's him and not me. Anybody else? I didn't hear that. Somebody said anything. What do you think Andrew was thinking? Yeah. He might have thought one thing when he started to get out, and he might have thought something a little different when he started to walk on it. <laughs> so, but he wasn't the one that did it, right? That was Peter. Peter got out. Andrew, Andrew. Well, yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. So you think maybe he was sitting there thinking, that's the Lord Jesus. Oh, it won't be long before Peter gets out of the boat <laughs> and goes right to him. I don't know. Well, we, yeah, we've said that before when we were talking about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we focus on the sinking, but he did walk on the water. Maybe he did. <laughs> I just, you know, it's just, it's just, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, this has no uh, great significance. It's just things I think about. What, what? I don't know. Probably scared. I don't know. But Johnny may be right. Hey, they were brothers. What if Andrew was, was the reason he got out? Hey, I think you need to go out there. <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you walk on out there? Somebody needs to go get him. Let him help us. You go, Peter. All right. Well, here we go. So we don't know. But Peter was the one that got out. What about when you think about um, they're in the Garden of Gethsemane? And here come the, the captains and soldiers. and One of the disciples, yet the apostles, pulls out a sword and tries to cut a guy's head off. And ends up cutting his ear off. But it wasn't Andrew. It was Peter. What do you think Andrew was thinking? Yeah. 
<laughs> I don't know what he was thinking. But he ain't the one that did it. He didn't jump out there. They were different. They were really, really different. But they were brothers. Um, when you think about after Jesus died, and uh, one of the disciples, the apostles, got fed up and said, I'm going fishing. And all the other disciples followed him. Was that Andrew that did that? No, that was Peter, his brother. What about Pentecost? We've talked about some, some things that maybe the one that did it, Peter, wasn't too proud of, but what about the great preaching at Pentecost, the one that stood up and said, wicked hands crucified Christ, your hands crucified Christ. And thousands were saved. That wasn't Andrew. That was Peter. We said that kind of, you know, last week, I guess. I tried to, I tried to fool you when I said, tell me about the great, the great sermon of Andrew's in the book of Acts. There's not one. Not one. The very next sentence. But remember, Andrew brought Peter to Christ. That's where I'm going. This great Pentecostal message was preached by Peter. Thousands were saved. All this was done. You can go through the books of Acts and you can look at the things that Peter did. A lot of times with John, especially in the first half of the book of Acts, and plenty of times there at the end, we talked about Peter. You go back and think about those things. All the great things that we're told that he did, much less things that he, we're not even told. Think about all those great things. It wasn't Andrew. It was Peter. But... Had it not been for Andrew, I wonder. It's hard to even think about. That's a hard thought. But we have to remember that Andrew was the one that brought Peter to Christ. And he didn't wait, remember? First. He first goeth and telleth Peter. And we said before, he knew. Hey, me and John, we're right here close to Christ. We're the first ones. Andrew knew full well. When I go get my loud mouth bold brother, he's going to take the, the dominant position and I'm going to be pushed into the shadows and he was evidently fine with that. Maybe he just thought he needed to be saved real quick. <laughs> well, that too, yeah. <laughs> and he did as, did, as did you and me. Absolutely. But Andrew brought him. That one individual act of Andrew bringing his brother to Christ has led to, we don't even know, we, we don't know, this side of heaven. Yeah, innumerable. Um, Every, all the fruit of Peter's ministry is also the fruit of Andrew's ministry. Why? Because Andrew introduced Peter to Christ. And without that act, it wouldn't have happened. And we hear that from our missionaries. They come up here during our missions conference or when they're here, and they say, you have a part You give, you give your time, you give your prayers, you give your money, 
these souls that are won, these churches that are started, you have a part in that. And it's true. For without those things, they couldn't do it. Now, we know God can do whatever he wants to. I mean, he didn't have to have the five loaves and two fishes, but he used it, and he uses his people to do these things. So, um, That's, um, Mr. Peggy's talking about winning one soul, and that's woven in this story of Andrew, and we've talked about it. Just one. Just one. Just one. Just win one. I mean, when Andrew met Jesus, we've already said it. was the first thing he did. He didn't go book Dallas Cowboys Stadium and try to fill it up and win 40,000 people to Jesus Christ. He got one. And I'm sure he got more. But this is what we're told in God's word. So thinking about that, you scholars of church history, <laughs> tell me about the great Edward Kimball. I mean, what did he do? Anybody? Nobody has heard of Edward Kimball? Nobody. He's the Sunday school teacher that led D.L. Moody to the Lord. One afternoon in Boston, he went to the shoe store where Moody was working. Kimball has said himself he was scared to death. He was not a bold Peter. He was timid and scared to go talk to Moody. That didn't stop him. A lot of times now, that'll stop us. (laughs) You can say what you want to. It'll stop us. That didn't stop him. He cornered him. He told him about Christ, and D.L. Moody was born again. Kimball said, I've got it in here somewhere, um, ah, about what he said to Moody. Here's what Kimball said. I never could remember just what I did say. Something about Christ and his love, and that was all, and that was enough. (laughs) That's all he did. He admitted it was a weak, it was a a weak appeal, but we know D.L. Moody and the impact that he had on both sides of the Atlantic in the second half of the 19th century. It was unbelievable. Tens of thousands of people have said they came to Christ as a direct result of Moody's ministry and that's not even to speak of moody bible institute and the christians and the missionaries that are trained and sent out from there and the churches that are built and the souls that are saved as a result of that all of that can be traced back to somebody who is but a footnote in church history edward kimball why because he led moody just one Just one. Just one. All that because one man was faithful to introduce introduce another man to Christ. Now, think about this. Might be hard for some of you. Um, Put yourself in the pastor's shoes. Who do you want? Do you want a Peter 
Or do you want an Andrew? Don't speak too quick. Who would you want? Who would you like a church full of, Peters or Andrews? We'd, we'd, love, to, we'd love to have both, but you're not going to have a church full of Peters. Why would you want a church full of Peters? <laughs> Go ahead. You're saying you don't want one. Why are you saying that? There's far more Andrews than they are Peters. Far, far, far more. Even in this apostle list, Peter is the most prominent one. Everybody else, except maybe John. And if you take out the gospel of John, it, it is John. It is are relative unknowns. Except for Peter. As a pastor... You're going to have a church full. You want a church full of Andrews. I don't know that we, you have one. Yeah, and even, speaking of diversity, even in these 12, not that kind of diversity, but um, even in these 12 apostles, they were, they were diverse. And we'll see that, but each one had a job. Each one had something they were good at. We talked about that a little bit when we talked about maybe it was Andrew's job. Maybe he was the gatekeeper. Um, but we're not going, the, the point I'm trying to make is you might as well try to stop trying to be Peter. Because you probably ain't going to be Peter. Yeah. Or, or maybe more accurately, your effect of service will align with your personality. Mm-hmm. Well, Miss Peggy so said. knows how you're bent, and he is the one that creates the opportunity. Yeah. So he's going to create opportunity wherein you fit. Miss Peggy said that God puts the ones he wants. You know, he's got places for people. But there's also a personal responsibility there. You have to do it. I mean, Andrew had to bring the lad. Now, again, you can get off on a tangent about God could have fed him without it. I know that. But Andrew had to bring the lad. And he had to bring the Greeks. What if he had turned them away? We don't know. But there is personal responsibility. You have a place. You have a gift. Brother Kevin's talked about that. The question is not, that's not the question. Do you have a gift? Do you have a place? Do you have a purpose? That's not the question. The question is, are you doing it? Are you using your gift? Are you filling your role? That's the question. And that's the thing I think about when I think about the difference in Andrew and Peter. Everybody wants to reach the thousands. Just reach one. Who knows what's going to come of that? You're going to deal with people one-on-one. One-on-one. Just reach one. 
what do we call it? I mean, anybody remember the little tag that went with Andrew? You know, like Peter was the apostle with a foot-shaped mouth. The apostle of his small things. Or, and I like the apostle that introduced people to Jesus. He was the apostle. He, he recognized the value in one single soul. One at a time. One at a time. So, <clears throat> Ephesians 6, 6. I think Andrew is a picture of those who labor like this, quietly in humble places. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. But that's so against what most people want to do. Maybe not you. A lot of people won't, don't, well, I don't mean this bad, but not, a, lot of, maybe, a lot of people don't want to do anything. Unless they're recognized. <clears throat> a, lot of, a lot of people don't want to be out in the forefront, but a lot of people do. And we've talked about before, we, can, we say we don't, and then when somebody gets recognition, sometimes it eats at us a little bit. But not everybody's going to be out front. Andrew, when, you th- when I think about Andrew, I don't think about him like I do Peter, James, and John. I definitely don't think about him like I do Peter, but not even James and John. And a lot of times, as we looked in the Bible, he's not even mentioned with those three. Although we know he was in that inner circle of four, it was narrowed down to three a lot of times. As long as the work be, was being done, I think he was fine being in a place of um, lesser prominence. When you think about being a leader, <clears throat> I don't know what everybody does. I have a, a lot of people that report to me. I know Hunter has people that report to him. I know Brother Ronnie has people that work for him, and I'm going to stop there. Everybody wants to be a manager until you get there. <laughs> <laughs> and why is that? Why do you think that is? Because people want preeminence. Yes, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying, why do you think? And maybe you don't think this way, but I definitely do. You get to be a. You finally get to that point that you want to get to. And in my professional career, I did want that. I wanted to be. I wanted to be that. Early on, I don't care about it now. I wanted to be that. And I got there, and whoo. There's a lot of responsibility. Guess what? When I worked as the underling, I didn't have to fire people. Right. Nobody asked you why either. I don't like firing people. No, and no, and yeah. You 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 take all the blame, but you forego all the the praise. You should, if you're a good leader. That's hard to do. It's hard to do. So. But, the, but you know, you, you think about that, you think about people in this, that position. James 3.1 says this. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. There's a, there's a price that comes with it. You have a lot of responsibility. And how much more so in the church? A lot of people... Um, if they can't be the pastor and they can't be a deacon and they can't be a trustee and they can't be a Sunday school teacher and they can't lead to singing, they're not satisfied. Why can't we just do our part in the pew? There's plenty to do. 
And I think we do a good job of that here, so I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. But Andrew, when you look through this New Testament, when you get to the book of Acts, besides being mentioned in a list of apostles, he's not mentioned in the rest of the Bible. Not once. There is no great sermon in Acts from him. There is no healing the blind or the lame from Andrew. There, there's, none, there's none of that. Not to say he didn't do it. I don't know. We're not told about it. He took second place. And he was fine with it. So, Andrew, as we wrap this up. Tradition says he took the gospel north. Eusebius, who was an early church historian, says that Andrew took the gospel as far north as southern Russia. Um, I don't care anything about this, but he's the patron saint of Russia and Scotland. That's probably why. We're told that he met his death in Achaia, which is uh, southern Greece. Tradition tells us, and again, you have to be careful with this. This is not outlandish. When you read, be very careful what you read. When you read some things, even about these apostles and what happened to them beyond the Bible, there's some weird stuff. Weird stuff. Be very careful. This is not weird. I mean, this I have, wouldn't have a problem believing. He led the wife of a Roman governor to Christ, enraged the governor. She refused to recant. And so, guess what happened to Andrew? Anybody know how he died? I'm sure some, some of you do. Yeah. Not upside down, though. His brother did. He was crucified. With Jesus, Peter, Andrew, crucified. He was crucified on, um, they call it a satire. It's an X-shaped cross. Today they call it St. Andrew's cross. Looks like an X. That's what he was crucified on. And those that tell this story say that he hung on there for two days. The whole time exhorting passers-by to come to Christ. Could you do that? I don't know. But think about him just hanging on that cross for two days. You know, we think, and it's, and it's terrible, tr- trust me. And, you know, killing the Son of God is the worst thing that ever happened physically. But we think about Jesus being on the cross and all that agony. Of course, most of that agony is when God had to look away from him. But how long was he on the cross? Anybody know? About You don't have to be exact. Less than three to five hours is how long Jesus was on the cross. Think about what we think about that. Andrew hung there two days. No. I mean, it was a torture rack. That's why they, that's why the Romans invented it. 
It wasn't supposed to be a quick death. As a matter of fact, if you remember, in the New Testament, we're told that when they told, uh, uh, you know, the Jews came to Pilate and said, we need to get these men killed because the Passover's coming. And and, um, Pilate told them to go out and break their legs. They came to Jesus, and he was dead already. And it shocked Pilate. But Jesus, as bad as we think about that event, and it was, he only hung there three to five hours. Now, his was terrible because of what I said a while ago. But Andrew hung there days. Now, Peter didn't hang there two days. You're not going to hang there uh, upside down two days. But they stay the whole time trying to bring people to Christ. As they walk by, guess how they walk by? One by one. When I think about him, I think about this. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 to 29. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. Why? That no flesh should glory in his presence. If I wrote it down right, it's 1 Corinthians 1, 27 to 29. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Think about Andrew when he brought the lad. He didn't come boasting. Hey, look what I found. Look who I found. He brought him to Jesus and let Jesus do his work. When he brought the Greeks, there was no boasting. He simply introduced them to Jesus. We're not told about how he addressed his brother Peter, except that he says, we found the Messiah. And you just brought him to Jesus and let Christ do his work. So you think about Andrew. A lot of times, I guess it's in your perspective. I think, I used to think that he was slighted. I mean, I could say it that way, I guess. I would think, why? If he was the first, why was he pushed so far down? Why do we hear nothing from him? Think about the encounter with him and Peter. And I've said, I've made mention a couple of times of personalities here. (coughs) Peter is loud, boisterous, no doubt. He's skeptical. Andrew is more reserved and making the claim that you have found I mean, there's no claim greater than that. Mm. So he has to have some gravitas for Peter to even stop what he's doing and go see. Yeah, that's true. So he's got, he has, he has that presence about him that, that Peter is willing to trust his judgment just on say so. And go check out what he said. Mm-hmm. That's true. I, I, I did. I used to think, why, why him? Why? And then when you think about him being in that inner circle of four, there's a couple of times they talk about those four, and that's the group. And then he's gone. He's not even mentioned. And there's other, you know, there's things in the, some of these other apostles' lives that are about the same way. But when you think about that, it's in perspective because you can think about him being slighted, or you can think about him being privileged. Because he was the first. 
at least him and John, they were the first to hear, Behold the Lamb of God. And they were the first to follow him. They were the first out of that group to talk to him, talk to Jesus. He was part of that. And think about what all he got to see as part of that. He was part of that inner circle, not the inner circle of three, but that inner circle of four. And his name is going to be along with all the others in that heavenly city, those foundations, names of the apostles. Andrew's going to be there. So I, I believe, although we're not told a lot about his later life, I believe he lived a life doing what he loved to do, introducing individuals to Jesus Christ. Exactly. Exactly. God gave him a gift. And though it seems insignificant in the eyes of man, and if you want to be honest, it does seem insignificant. It's not. He had an impact. An impact that even, you know, we talk about Peter. What all did Peter do? We, won't know, we don't know on this side of eternity. What all did Andrew do? We don't know on this side of eternity. But he had a great impact. All right. Anything before we we'll end Andrew here? Pick up on the next one. Next time. All right. Mr. Mike Robbins, you want to dismiss us?